The following audio was recorded by Gateway Church's student ministry program called 180. Gateway Student Ministry creates a come-as-you-are environment that leads to transformation and authentic faith. For more information about Gateway Student Ministry, visit gatewaychurch.com forward slash students. It's good. Go. How you guys doing? You good? My middle name is Paul, by the way. Don't let him trick you. He's going to try to do this brainwashing thing. Don't let it happen. It's really bad. Well, how's your week going? Good? How many of you have to go to school tomorrow? Are you for real? What district are you in? Brown Rock. Okay, you all need to convince your parents to move to Leander or Cedar Park. This is what you need to do. Well, hey, um, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you decided to show up tonight. I hope that Hey, listen up, guys, just for a little bit. I'm not going to talk really long, I promise. You'll have plenty of time in small group. But we're going through this series on identity, like what makes you, you. And I know that, like, we actually probably try to cover this once a year because I'm going to be honest with you, even as a full-grown adult, like, I forget my identity often. I mean, there are days where I can forget who I am at least, like, once a week. Even for a moment, even for an hour, maybe it's a whole day. But there are times where I feel constantly pulled and torn by so many things in our culture and our lives where I kind of... Forget who it is that God made me to be. And I know that it's different when you're an adult, but I remember very well what it was like to be in middle school and high school. And I know the pressures that are constantly on you and how you feel really stretched to figure out who you are and even the downside of like if you don't know who you are or you even worse don't like who you are, the roads that that leads to and the the destruction that that brings to your heart and to your soul, to your relationships. And so I think it's really important we talk about this. And so you know, one of my favorite things, uh, I know last week Ross was up here and he talked about um, this idea of it's not about who you are, but whose you are. The idea that like you are gods and because you're gods, you are far greater worth than you could ever possibly imagine. Um, so it's not about you, it's not about who you are, but it's really about who God has made you to be. And that's the real perspective to take. So I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I love literature. I think books are really great. So I actually got one of my favorite, like deep theological books out to read to you tonight because I feel like it's so important, okay? And it's called The Ugly Duckling, okay? (laughs) So I'm going to read this to you, but we're going to make this fun, okay? Because this is a weird, I just read this to Lucy and Lucy got bored halfway through it. So we're going to make it fun, okay? I'm going to read this like this is a great novel, like of like great adventure, like Peter Pan meets Pirates of the Caribbean. You know what I mean? That's a weird combination. We're going to try to read through this and I'm going to be like really influctuating with my voice, if that's a word. Influx? Yeah, okay. And you're going to be like, yes! Like, yes, amen. You know what I'm saying? You're just going to get into it. Okay. Okay, it's okay. All right, so here we go. Are you ready? It was summer. It was summer in the countryside by a cool pond near a little farm. A mother duck sat on her nest. Okay? Yes. Amen. Suddenly, the eggs began to hatch. Cute little yellow bundles of joy popped out of their eggshells. Cheep, 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 cheep. Quack, 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 quack. Flapping their tiny wings. Flap your wings. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Before long, there was just one egg left. It was much larger than the others, and it began to crack. Disgusting! What an ugly duckling, said one of the yellow ducks. Honk! Honk! Went the ugly duckling. 
It can't quack, the other ducks laughed. Then they even laughed harder when he fell and tripped over its own feet. Idiot! Just kidding, didn't say that. One by one, baby ducks splash into their water and they follow their mother and the little duckling swam at the back. The mother duck loved each of them, even the ugly duckling or the big fluffy one. The mother duck took her brood up to the farm. I don't know what brood is. Lucy didn't know either, we'll just move on. The animal adored the cute little ducklings, but they didn't like the big fluffy one. They pecked at him. You are ugly, they cried. The duckling was upset, so he ran away. He came to a cottage and they met a cat. Meow. Thank you. Purr with me and you can stay, said the cat. You can stay if you lay eggs, said the hen. But the duckling could not purr or lay eggs. The duckling felt very lonely. Fall had arrived, and one evening he saw graceful white birds flying high above, and he longed to be like them. But as the weather grew cold, the water froze, and the ugly duckling froze in the ice and died. He didn't die. Just kidding. Let's skip this one. It was a long, hard winter for the poor duckling. The freezing days and nights seemed to last forever. Then one day... The sun began to shine, and the warm sunbeams melted the ice. As the lark sang, and spring had come, the ugly duckling noticed three beautiful birds that had landed on the water. They were the same ones she had seen in the fall. He felt sure the birds would be mean, but he was not afraid anymore. Amen? Amen. Okay. The ugly ducklings did not fly away when the birds spotted him into the reeds. To his surprise, they were welcoming and friendly. He swam out of his hiding place and looked at the reflection in the water because he had changed. He was no longer an ugly duckling, but a brave and magnificent swan. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. Come on. The older swans bowed their heads in their, to their new friend. They rustled their feathers and they curved his slender neck. He was filled with joy when the children pointed to him and cried, look at what a lovely new swan that is. In a flurry of wings, the young swan flew off with his new flock. He had never dreamed of such happiness when he was an ugly duckling and he knew he would never be lonely again. All right. That's right. That's good. That's good. See, that was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that was a good time. See, we like to have fun. If you're a first time at Gateway, we don't do that all the time, but we try to have a good time. Okay? So here's the thing. Really simple book. Like, Lucy gets this book. Lucy's four. But it's this idea that this duck didn't belong where it was born. And hold on, stay with me, guys. I know it was fun, but listen up. You might feel like that, and you probably have, at some point in your life, felt like you don't belong. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your friend groups. Maybe it's in a relationship. I mean, you know the times where you feel like you've, you don't belong here. You don't belong in this world. You, I mean, whatever the thoughts the enemy likes to flood across your mind. And the truth is, we all get that way. We all feel broken and lonely, but the truth of that story and the moral is there's something greater that we've all been called to. And I really do believe that for you, at least when you read the scriptures, we believe that there's a God 
who created you, who loves you, who created you with a purpose and a mission that's specific to you, that doesn't fit anybody else's idea. Just like this duckling didn't belong with the rest because he was created to be a swan. You were created to be even more glorious than a swan. You were created to do incredible things. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Well, I don't know if you know a lot about me, but let me tell you just a little thing about me. My uh, parents divorced when I was really young. I was four years old. And so for most of my life, my relationship with my dad is I used to fly alone on the plane with the cool flight attendants that would like sometimes move you to first class, and you could drink soda and stuff, and it was awesome. Um, and I flew to Michigan often to visit him. Like, I do it once a month. I get on the airplane to visit my dad. And my dad worked in Detroit, where he uh, worked with uh, automobiles. It was really cool, because my dad was always creating and designing parts of automobiles. Like, you know the Chevy Avalanche truck? Like, he did the dashboard. Like, how cool is that? Like, all, I mean, it's not that cool. I was making a joke. Thanks for catching it. Uh, but he made, the, he, made, he made, like, his team worked on this. So he did really cool things. And one of the cool things about dad working in the car industry as he would find really cool cars. I mean, it's the, it's the car capital of the world, right? And so here we go to Detroit, and we go meet one of his friends, and his friend has this entire warehouse of, like, amazing cars, okay? Now, here's the thing. As an 8-year-old and as a 29-year-old now, my favorite car in the whole world is the, the Corvette. I know there's cooler cars, I know. But just as an 8-year-old, there was something about it that was amazing. And this guy had 25 Corvettes over the last 25 years, one car from each year. And it was amazing because they're sitting in this, in this warehouse. And as I was walking into this warehouse, and he's showing it to me. Like my mouth dropped. I drooled a little bit. I mean, like I was just so into it. And then there's something like that happens to every eight-year-old. It probably still happens to you as a teenager. As you start to imagine like what it would be like to just steal this right now. Like I want to just take this car out of here. As an eight-year-old, I even thought that way. And I didn't even know how to drive, but I would find a way. Okay? But I'm just like imagining like how beautiful it was because the truth is, These cars were collecting dust in this warehouse. They were never created to be put in a warehouse. These cars were created and designed specifically so people could enjoy driving and go really fast doing it. They were meant to be something glorious that people, when you drove down the road, they'd stop and they'd look at it and be like, look at that car. And I still do. There's a guy in my neighborhood. I don't even know why he's in my neighborhood. Has a Corvette. I'm just like, dude, that guy's awesome. Like, I already like him, and he could be a terrible person, but he drives a Corvette, you know, and that's so cool. But the truth is, like, we, were, we are like that. Like, sometimes I think for some of us, we're like these priceless Corvettes that are sitting in a warehouse collecting dust. You were created to be driven and to be enjoyed and to be, and to be loved exactly the way you are, but you're hidden under this roof. You're hidden under the facade of something you put in your life, and you're not living in the identity that you want to be. And we talk about identity it's essentially how you live and what you do. And it's specifically in that order, how you live and what you do, because how you live determines what you do. And your identity can't solely be in what you do, okay? Because let me tell you this, I do youth ministry, that's my job. If I get fired tomorrow, that's not my identity. My identity isn't youth pastor, I'm a child of the king. I'm a father to Lucy, and I'm a father to Oliver Henry and my wife, and there's so many things compiled that make me who I am. But who I am, first and foremost, is a son of the king. I have a relationship with Jesus that this short life I will live is nothing in the comparison to the glory of who he is and what he's called me to be in relationship with him. So how you live and what you do is the easy way to find your identity. And if you think about it, there are so many times where you have misplaced those things in your life. And the way that you live 
And the way that you do things isn't true of who you really know to be, but you're like that Corvette that's collecting dust. So let me tell you another story. Uh, maybe bring some more clarity to this. You know who Mark Zuckerberg is, right? Okay, so he does Facebook. How many of you actually have Facebook? It's like it's not cool anymore. Like six of you. Okay, Instagram? Okay, good thing Facebook about Instagram. That's smart. Okay. So Mark Zuckerberg, let me just tell you this. He was like super into like program design. If those of you who are in middle school, this is a really cool story. He started designing video games when he was in middle school. Like he just got, he just got fascinated. Where all of his friends were playing video games, he's like, I can do one thing better. I'm going to make them. And he did. And they actually sucked. So don't worry about that. But because he found something better. But like he did, he designed these middle school games. So he graduated high school, went to college. And while he was in college, he created Facebook. Okay. Within a year of creating Facebook, he had 1 million people on Facebook that first year. The second year that Facebook existed, he received offers from multiple people to sell the company. So imagine you're like 20, 21 years old, and you're offered between $10 million and $1 billion to sell Facebook. I don't know about you and me. I know, I know about me. I don't know about you, but I would have totally just like cashed that check. Drop out of school, and I'm buying a yacht, and we're going to the Caribbean. I don't know what I would have done. But like, the idea is like, man, you could do whatever you want. I mean, like a billion dollars, you could sell this and do whatever you wanted. But here's the thing. Mark Zuckerberg was different than me because he knew what this could become. He knew what it, the value it had and what it could be, and so he held on to it. And I don't know if you know this today, but faith, Facebook is currently worth $500 billion. He could have sold it for one five hundredth of the cost after the first year, but he held on to it. He continued to follow the dream that God had put in his heart. I don't know if it was God or somebody else, but he continued to follow this dream, and it became $500 billion worth industry. See, your creator isn't just going to sell you short. And I think for so many of us, we're willing to cast the check. As soon as we have a relationship with Jesus, we kind of get like our fireproof insurance, whatever you call it. Like, I have this okay relationship with Jesus, and then I'm just going to kind of live my own life and, and find my own identity and be my own person. And like, we kind of cash out really early. But your God isn't ready to sell you out yet. He has a plan for you to be worth so much more than you've settled for. He has a plan to make you into something that's so great and so admired that can do so many things but we need to recognize that that is what he's created us to be and to not sell out. You know, I've been reading in my devotional time through the books of First and Second Samuel. It's this really cool uh, story. If you ever want to read it, it reads just like a story, but it's over, this, it's over a lot of things. But right in the middle of the two books, there's this great story about David. And so David, I don't know for those of you who don't know, David was a king of Israel, um, and he started his journey very different than probably most of you might think, right? So he started as a shepherd boy. He's one of seven brothers from this dude named Jesse. And of these seven brothers, he's the youngest, he's the scrawniest, he's the smallest. And he starts just being in the fields with the sheep. And God has given Samuel the prophet the, the truth that the next king of Israel will come from the line of Jesse. So it's one of his sons. So Samuel goes over and he meets all of the sons of Jesse. And even the first oldest son that he meets, he's like, oh, surely this is the one that God wants to be king. And God says, yeah, that's not my man. And so he goes through each of the six brothers. No, 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 no. And, and, God's, and Samuel's like, well, well, who's left? Like, there's no one else here because Jesse had kept this, his youngest son, David, out in the field because it's like, why bother with David? He's too young. He's too small. He's insignificant. He's really insignificant. And David knew this, like he wasn't an idiot. He knew this. He knew that this is kind of the view of his brothers. 
and his dad that he was small and insignificant. But see, David had a really incredible faith and belief in God. And you can hear about it as you read through the stories of the Bible. And so uh, Samuel finally asked Jesse, he says, is there any other sons? He's like, yeah, well, I guess there's David. I can have him. He's like, bring the boy in. And so he brings the boy in, and God says, this is the man who will be the next king. And it's this beautiful moment when you read it, you're like, oh, this is so cool. This is how the, all the movies end. Um, this is like where it starts, and it's so great, but the story doesn't end just there. So he's considered the next king of Israel, but his time has not yet come. And so the Israelites are in the middle of this huge war with the Philistines, and there's this dude who's literally like nine feet tall. He's just, just like this beast of a man named Goliath. You probably know this story, but this is what you don't know. Everyone in Israel was terrified of Goliath. Now, Goliath had this big mouth where he said all of these terrible things about the people of God. He said, they're dogs, they're nothing, they're worthless, they're swine. They will bow at the feet of my gods. And the people who've been empowered by God forget their identity and start to cower in fear. And David comes along and he hears this man talking about his God. And he says, who is this dude who thinks he can say this about my God? So the story ends up, there's so many more details to show you how cool it is. But basically, David's like, I'm going to go fight this man. And Saul's like, okay, go for it, dude. Like, let me, let me give you my armor. And he puts his armor on him. He's like, yeah, it doesn't fit because like, you're a huge man. I'm like this tiny 20-year-old boy, okay? So he doesn't wear any armor, basically, besides the stuff he has. He gets three stones, and he goes out there. And he has this conversation with Goliath, and Goliath continues to laugh in his face, just like his brothers did, just like his dad did. You are an insignificant nothing. I am going to crush your bones. And David, in the midst of where I would have been terrified, believes so strongly in what God's called him to do that he takes one rock, chucks it at this dude's head, and knocks him out dead. The coolest part after is he takes the dude's sword and cuts his head off with his sword. Like, how humiliating is that? It's also really gory, but I like that part, okay? <laughs> and then he brings the head back to Saul. Now, that is like another, like, yes, like, this is how it is. Like, this is what it's like being a child of the king. Like, you feel these glory moments. But if you're like me, you know that, like, that does not sound like my story. Because in my story, there's suffering, there's brokenness, there's hurt. Even as someone who's been walking with the Lord for a long time, I'm still struggling each and every day to realize, like, who am I, God? What have you called me to do? And why do I keep forgetting the identity you've placed in my life? Why do I keep settling for lesser things in my life? And the truth is, people don't remember that David had to wait eight years before he would become king. And in those eight years, he didn't just get to go hang out and like huddle and just like, you know, smoke some meat and wait around. Like he literally was being chased by Saul, who wanted him dead. He was labeled a traitor. He was hunted. He was trying to be found and tortured and continually eluding the, the schemes that people would have against him, always on the run, always in fear for his life, oftentimes asking God, like, why are you letting this happen to me? You asked me to be king, and this is my destiny? And the truth is probably true for you. Like, there are times you're in the midst of some of the hardest things in your life, and you can start to ask God, like, why? Why is this happening? But God has a plan in all of it. And what's hard is that we don't know the story, how it goes. Like, we don't we can look back and see how it ends for David and how good things become for him. But in the midst of it, we don't know the end of our own story. So we have to trust in something that's unseen. That's what faith is. That's what hope is, believing in the unseen. Because God has a plan for you that's greater than anything you could ever imagine. And I want you to not settle and sell out so easy 
as we can um, when, when things get hard, that we forget the identity that God's given us and we start to kind of whimper into the old ways of life. But the truth is, you can make it. I know that things are hard, but you can make it. You can get in the Word. You can talk to God. You can worship Him. The only one keeping you from the Creator is you. So if you feel like you've lost the identity, you feel like you've kind of drifted away from God, or maybe you've never even taken the first step to interact with Him, you are the only person who's going to get in the way of that because it's made open to you by God through His Son, Jesus. And you know what? There are so many of us that know Jesus. We've made a relationship with Jesus, but it's so easy to get off track. Even as a pastor, there are seasons in my life where I've had to be reminded by the Holy Spirit, like, hey, where are you focusing? Like, come back to me. So if that's you in this moment, like, don't hesitate or wait any longer. Like, realign yourself with the identity that God has given you. Because the truth is, you are not an ugly duckling. You are perfect, beautiful swan. You are not an old Corvette that's waiting in a warehouse collecting dust with no purpose. You are meant to be used in extraordinary ways for people to see you and glorify God through you because they see you. And you are not a halfway Facebook creation. You are the $500 billion creation that God has invested and planned to do incredible and great things in your life. You do matter. And I know you hear the lies of the enemy that you don't matter, I know you hear the lies of the enemy that says that you aren't valuable. I know you hear the lies of the enemy that say that you aren't enough, that you're not worthy, you're not valuable, that no one cares about you, but you do matter. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you understand the power of the name child of God? That's why I say son of the king or daughter of the king. Like if you imagine you live in medieval times, right? And you are the child of a king, you're a prince or a princess. There's incredible royalty with that. There's incredible power with that. People can't touch you when you're that kind of level. That's true of you. People can't touch you. They can hurt your flesh. They can say mean things to your mind, but they can't touch what's in here because that is God's. And I know that those voices can be loud and draining and confusing, but I want you to remember that you are a child of the king. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's got a plan for you. You know he has a plan for you. Those that believe in sometimes we forget that. And even in the midst of incredible suffering in our world, incredible times where you might feel like it's time to give up, it's time to quit. It's time to throw in the towel. God has created good things for you to enjoy and to be in. So I just want that to settle in for you. So as the band's going to close us out with a song, you can stand up, you, you can sit down, but spend time maybe just reconnecting with Jesus. Maybe it's been a few hours since the last time you talked to him. Maybe it's been a few months. Maybe it's the first time ever for you. But connect with a person who believes in you more than anyone in this world ever will because he created you with a purpose and with an identity that only he can give you. Thank you for listening to our podcast from Gateway Students 180 program. Please subscribe to stay updated on our current series. If you have any questions or comments, shoot us an email at students at gatewaychurch.com.